Hello, everyone. I'm Isaiah Sullivan, and I'm very excited to be sharing my podcast, St. Small Talk, with all you listeners. My guest today is the Dean of Students at Creighton Durham Hall High School and former St. Paul Public School teacher, Aaron Benner. You may remember him from a court case last year with St. Paul Public Schools, where he settled for over half a million dollars. Please enjoy this conversation with Aaron Benner on St. Small Talk. Aaron, thank you for coming on. Isaiah, thanks for having me here. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too. It's been a while. I know it's been been too long. Let me begin by congratulating you on Georgina, your your new baby girl. Oh, thank you. We're extremely blessed, and we're extremely excited for Georgina. I want to dive right into it because you and I have obviously had this relationship where you were my dean of students when I was a student at Creighton Durham Hall High School. That's correct. And just what I want to start off by saying is Aaron was so wonderful at getting to know students of. All grades. He, he Usually they have a focus on one grade or another at Creighton Durham Hall, but Aaron really, really delved into every single grade, getting to know the students. And it, it was something magical. And then we've talked about this a little bit before, just your ability to connect with students and talk with them and make them feel so at home, no matter where they are. Oh, thank you. You know, um, it's a gift, but I just try to treat students the way I was treated when I was in high school. And I went to St. Agnes High School. And sometimes you see those kids who feel out of place. You weren't one of them, obviously. You're a talker, <laughs> social butterfly. But I just try to make everybody feel comfortable. Um, I look for the students who are eating alone or sitting alone. And I never got into just being a dean for my grade. You know that. Yeah. I try to get around and talk to everybody and make myself known so I can mm-hmm. be available. So when thank you for recognizing that. Oh, absolutely. When did you start in administration? I started in an administration at Creighton Durham Hall in 2015. And that was your first administrative role? Actually, that's not true. The year before at Community Peace Academy. Oh, really? That's right. I forgot. How, what were you doing over there? So <laughs> I was like slash behavior um, was behavior specialist uh, slash assistant principal. My official title was African-American liaison to the principal. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting title. for yeah. where, where is this school? So it's on the east side. It's the first, I think it's the second charter school ever created um, oh, okay. in Minnesota. And it opened up in 1994. It's on Magnolia and DeSoto. How long were you at St. Paul Public Schools for? Total of 14 years, 14 14 and a half years. Okay. And you were at which schools while you were there? 94, Galtier, Ben Mays, and I have one year under my belt on the west side, Cherokee Heights. Now, Cherokee Heights, I wasn't an official teacher, but I had my teaching license. Okay. I was in a, um, a licensure program at the, from the University of St. Thomas called the Q program. The acronym stands for Collaborative Urban Educator. So they look for people who already have their bachelor's and they're either they're 25 years or older and they're already in the fields, uh, professional fields. Okay. Uh, so I was in uh, the cohort four, Q4. So I was placed at Cherokee Heights in September of 94. And I... I, I count that as my official first year as teaching. Okay. Yeah. I got to back up here because I'm thinking, I thought I knew a lot about your history, but I guess I didn't. That's okay. What, what, you went to St. Thomas University. Obviously, I know that. That's correct. And you graduated from there when? 1992. Okay. My yeah. undergrad. Okay. And then did you immediately go into pursuing an uh, education degree? No. So I, I graduated with a sociology criminal justice degree. I was going to follow my father's footsteps. Yeah. But I didn't want to be a police officer. I was going to be a probation officer. Okay. And your your father was one of the first African-American police officers in St. Paul, correct? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. So I was going to um, follow, you know, law enforcement, not law enforcement, just something in that area. So my first job in the summer of 92 after graduating, I worked as a shift supervisor 
at 532 Ashland. I still remember it. I was uh, at a halfway house. So I was responsible for supervising a halfway house for men just uh, released out of prison on supervised release or work release. And I tell you, that job taught me how I I had to grow up really fast. You were 22 at this time? I was 22. And I had to be in a house for graveyard shift. And you're responsible for checking men in and out. And you'd make phone calls. And if they violated their, um, if they somehow didn't uh, pick up the phone within a certain hour or didn't report report back to the the house, you had to call and have their uh, probation revoked. Um, oh my God! Yeah, a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibilities. Um, but I learned you had to be uh, quick with it, and I never was trying to. I never would put my hands on anybody. It was a job. Like if you if you came back from being out and you missed your curfew, yeah. and you blew into the you blew into the breathalyzer, yeah, I would just tell them, you know, you have like fifteen minutes, and I got to call your parole officer. So that was my way of letting you know, like, go get your stuff because I don't feel like packing it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and the guys, they respected me. I'm that like, yeah. Ha- that happened quite a bit. Oh, I mean, yeah. You would have guys come back and they would uh, be high or they got in a fight. But yeah, but my point was, I used to tell them, you know what I have to do. Yeah. You know, so instead of arguing with me, you're wasting valuable time of getting your crap. And Because if when they would abscond, I would have to call the probation officer, yeah. write a report, go upstairs, unlock their door, and I would have to itemize every bit of their belongings. And that was one of that was the second worst thing about the job. You wanna know what the first worst thing was? What? Taking UA samples. Oh. I'm like, I graduated graduated from college with a degree and I'm watching grown men pee into a bottle. Yeah. No, that wasn't for me. So only one year there? Uh one and a half years. One and a half years. Yeah. So, so on my day so I worked four days on, three days off. Now I'm just out of college. Yeah. Man, I did not like working on the weekends. So my Fridays were, my Friday night was a Monday night. So I would have three days off. So what happened when I had three days off, I was bored. Yeah. Bored out of my mind. And somebody from St. Thomas is like, oh, so this school down the street needs volunteers. I just went and volunteered in the classrooms. I was hooked. Really? I worked, I walked into a school. I don't know what school it was. I volunteered and the teacher wanted me to help. Next thing you know, the kids were listening to me more than the teacher. I felt like I was better than the teacher. I didn't tell her that. Next thing you know, word spread that we have a volunteer. I went to every classroom. I was like, I could do this. So then I I got hooked up with the Q program, and the rest is history. So you went from working with uh, older men, right? Older men. That were in correctional facilities. In correctional facilities to volunteering with young children. Yes. And that's obviously a big transition, working from with one group from the other Mm -hmm. day to day. What was that like? You know what? They were quite similar. Because you have to build relationships. Yeah. That's one thing I found out. Like, people thought working at the halfway house was, like, uh, demanding and scary. Actually, I enjoyed it, except for the UA, you know, administering the UA samples. But I learned to communicate, uh, to be um, trustworthy, to listen. Uh, Some of my best, some of our best clients were, like, your so-called worst criminals. Anybody who, like, had a... A felony of murder or kidnapping, they were like your best clients because they did like at least eight years. Oh, yeah. The ones who were in simple, for like a aggravated assault or drug drug possession, those those guys were in and out. But the more serious, I mean, we had somebody who did like I think dismembered somebody in their family, and we're, we oh, were all worried. The guy did like thirty years in prison. He wasn't trying to mess up. Oh, you so know? when you say best clients, you mean that these guys are best behaved. the best behaved, best behaved. The best behaved, yeah, best behaved, because they have the most to lose, yeah, and they know they know what losing means exactly. Yeah. yeah, I know that you did some time in the seminary as well. Yes, right? that's right. So the Q program was from ninety four to ninety five. Uh, the Q one of the stipulations in the Q program was that you had to take a job in a 
inner city school district, either St. Paul or Minneapolis. Okay. Or you could take your graduate credits and continue to get your master's. Ah. That was one of the biggest mistakes. I just took the job at St. Paul Public Schools yeah. right away. If I would have continued and got my master's, I would have been making big bank for a while. All my you got your master's now, though. I have my master's now. Yeah. But I got it 24 years later, 25 years later. Yeah, just got geez. it last October. Uh, this, yeah. this October. Congratulations, Thank by you. the way. Congratulations. But if I would have had my master's in 95 and had all those years in St. Paul under my belt, I would have been making good money. Yeah. You know, yeah. but so whoever's listening, get your graduate license. I mean, go to graduate school and finish. Always finish no matter what. Yeah. yeah. Younger is better. <laughs> Younger is better. <laughs> you start making money earlier. What, what age do you go to the seminary? 28 years old. 28 years old. Yeah. So okay. I take a leave of absence. Yeah. Leave of absence from Gaultier. I, you know, St. Paul granted me one year and that's when I head back. Yeah. yeah. And so you did the seminary for a year. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't Eight, work out. Seven months. Yeah, seven, seven months. It was seven months. So you leave seminary. doesn't work out. Seven months. You mm-hmm. go back to SPPS. We're, yes, that's right. Yeah, I so go back to Gaultier. Oh, so, yeah. okay. We're back at Gaultier. Because I took a one year. I took a leave. You know, I okay, go back okay. for one year. That's 97, yeah, 98, 99. Then I leave in 99. The only reason why I leave Gaultier is because my former fifth grade teacher is opening a charter. Has just opened a charter school. Okay. She's my favorite teacher. Uh, Mrs. Rusthoven is her name. Really? Karen, okay. So Karen Rusthoven opens a charter school in 94. And you said you got to be there. And she's like, I, I got a teaching opening. And, you know, I think you've got So I just tried it out and I, I liked it for seven years. Yeah. Is it is that a part of SPPS or no? No. Okay. So you yeah. leave. So yeah. do you have to leave the union then as well? Yeah. Sure okay, so you leave. Yeah. So yeah, you're there sure. for seven years. You yeah. like your experience there? Yes. I loved it. Yeah. And the only reason, here's the reason why I left. I, I'm jumping the gun here. Yeah, that's fine. So- I'm doing summer school when I need to apply for summer school position as I'm working at Community Peace Academy. And I've always worked summer school at Community Peace Academy. Uh, the principal made a mistake and she didn't sign me up somehow. Yeah. So she was so kind. She goes, oh, I forgot to sign up for summer school. I did that in like February. I didn't put you on. Aaron, don't worry about it. I'm like, I have connections in St. Paul Public Schools. So ah. she, gives me a, she gives me a position at St. Paul Public Schools working summer school. Okay. I work at St. Paul Public Schools at Ben Mays. Yeah. And I guess I'm like a unicorn. I got administrators coming at me left and right. They're like, oh, you're awesome. I see you working with the kids. You know, you're black and you're you have your teaching license. I'm like, whatever. So I'm like, no, I'm happy where I am, blah, blah, blah. Man, they showed me a contract. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget this. This is summer of 2007. If I would, if I leave Community Peace Academy and join some of my public schools, I'm getting a 30% increase. I'm yeah, like, yeah, out. Yeah. I'm out. Sorry. Love it. But I'm out. I gotta because, go. Because <laughs> I, now don't get me wrong. I love working at Community Peace Academy. It, it was a great, but I was like, I was working for, I didn't know I was working for Peanuts. So, yeah. so at this time, I'm working at Community Peace, Community Peace Academy. I'm doing tutoring at night. I'm doing all these other jobs. I'm like, you know what? I still have one job. I want to be a teacher. Yeah. You know, and teach, you know, we don't go into it for the money, but I was like 30% increase. But it increase. doesn't hurt when they give you that, that little, that I little, was like, they slide the note card across the table, they show you the amount. Man, I was like, CPA, Community Peace, Community Peace Academy, peace, deuces, I'm out. <laughs> I'm serious, I'm out. And actually, it's funny, I heard after I left, the new executive director at Community Peace Academy, they used uh, used me as an example, like, we have to uh, increase our salary. We're losing oh, really? good teachers. Yeah. Yeah. People was like, yeah, they had your they had your previous salary, then they had your SPPS salary. <laughs> They're like, we, we have to make it, we have to have a competitive uh, salary. So you're at Ben yep. Mays. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're there for how many years? 2007 to 2013. Okay. Teaching fourth grade. And obviously, I'm familiar with, I'll call it the incident for now. What year did the incident occur? 
You mean like when the student punched when me? When the student punched you. Oh, that was 2012. So take us through what happened. So what my understanding of you, and I'll vouch for you because I've read articles on you. I've known you. I've talked to people that know you, mm-hmm. okay, from back then. Um, you were the kind of teacher who was out on the playground playing with every students. Day, well, every day. Every day. Suit and tie. All-time yeah. quarterback. Yeah. That's one of my proudest moments. People think I'm lying. I'm like, no, nah, I, I, this is the way I dressed. And my students wanted me to play quarterback. And it was twofold. Yeah. I'm trying to stay in shape. And, <laughs> and there are no discipline problems whatsoever. Yeah. Especially, especially when you're all-time quarterback, you don't have to deal with yep. people fighting over the ball. Exactly. You're going to even kill. You're throwing to different kids all the time. Exactly. Absolutely. There's, yep. there's very calculated mm-hmm. you know, on your part to make sure that you're being even there. So you're all t- there's, a, there's some day in 2012, you're all-time quarterback, and you get punched on the playground by a student. Yep. Uh, and it's not, it's not as bad as it sounds. So yeah. um, it's like the tip of the iceberg. Uh, yeah. it's, like, you know, it's just a lot of things. So we're playing, you know, playing football, and it's the, the the bell rings. So yeah. when the bell rings to go in for recess, all of us and girls and boys, and we're at recess with other schools. So Ben Mays is part of Museum Magnet, Capitol Hill, Ben okay. Mays. So we all have all these kids in the playground, and it's pair. It's adjacent to I ninety four. So we're playing like eleven eleven. Kids can come in. You know, you can, yeah, and you, sure. can, you can come, you can play, you can leave whenever you want. The rule is, though, everybody gets a chance to catch the ball. And when the bell rings, we have one more play. It's called the Hail Mary. Yeah, okay. So the bell rings, and we do the Hail Mary. I throw a Hail Mary, and it hits Caleb. And I'm going to use his uh-huh. name because Caleb is about 21 years old right now, I think. He doesn't mind me sharing the story. So it hits Caleb, and he drops it. Caleb is pissed. Uh-huh. And we're like, oh, no problem. Caleb, we dropped it. And Caleb is just angry because he dropped it. Because right. one more play, one more play. I'm like, no, Caleb, dude, we got to go. The rules. Caleb's yeah. like, Mr. Burner, one more play. And he's angry. I'm like, come on, no big deal. Caleb gets mad and punches me right in the, right here in the in chest. The chest. Oh. In the chest. Oh. Right in the now, abdomen. Yep. And he got me good. And the Sternum. kids were like, yeah, the kids yeah. were like, whoa. I mean, you could hear like a pin drop. So so other students are witnessing yes, this happening. Yes, witness. A parent yeah. actually witnessed it. A parent actually helped me bring Caleb into the principal's office. And I know Caleb wasn't really mad at me, but you can't. He, yeah, you know, right. he punched me, and it wasn't a, a soft punch. And Caleb's, I'm probably what I'm five 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 six on a good day. Caleb's <laughs> probably five four five five as well. Okay, punches me. Now, was it? Did he hurt me? No, but it was a good punch. So I restrained him. I'm like, man, what are you doing? He's just crying. I'm so mad. You throw me the ball, blah blah. So we escort him into the principal's office. The principal at the time says he'll take care of it. So I get, you know, I brought the kids in. We do a water break. I'm starting to write the referral. And yeah. next thing I hear a knock on my door and the principal's like, oh, he's good. And he's got Kayla with him. I'm like, what do you mean he's good? And there's another teacher, Miss Stephanie Benson. She's witnessing this. He's like, yeah, he apologized. And Caleb starts to walk in my room. I'm like, yo, yo, yo. I stopped Caleb. I'm like, and then the principal just walks away. You know, I'm like, Caleb, you know, this 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 can't happen. He goes, I know, Miss Ben, I'm sorry. So as I bring Caleb into my classroom, all my students are shocked. We we stopped school that day. We yeah. had a class discussion. I Caleb apologized. I'm like, Caleb, I accept your apology. I think the class accepts your apology. I said, do you know, as a young black man, you cannot hit your teacher. I said, rules are different for us. I said, that's like an assault charge. I said, you have to know how to control your anger. You know, and the student, I said, if you, and it's like a restorative justice kind of deal. Sure, with, sure. You know, like in order for you to get back in the class, you apologize to me. I said, but what you did? And I said, these students are upset. I said, I'm going to tell you right now, whatever the principal did, I said, that does not fly with me. I said, that's, a, I said, you cannot do that. I said, I'll be talking to your mother. I never did. I was more mad at the principal than anything. Okay. So then, so this occurs, you talk to the principal. Nah. No? Nah. No. I let that go. Because, oh, okay. because I know something 
fishy is going on at St. Paul Public Schools. So this, my, is, this is just one incident, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But this is the incident that I realized something was going on because my principal was phenomenal. Really? He, yeah, he was. Past tense. Okay. This is the guy that would go into a, a kindergarten class or first grade class and take over because we couldn't have a sub. Okay. okay. But I knew the way he treated the situation with the student punching me, I knew he was getting orders from somebody else. Okay. So I did eventually talk to him and the assistant principal. Okay. So after I addressed the, I'm getting ahead of myself, but yeah. I, went, I went into his office weeks later. Sure. Yeah, it, yeah, it was it was uh, December of 2012, I remember. And I said, uh, and at this time, I just wrote an editorial piece into the, it was published in the Star Tribune. Yeah. And I was talking about uh, violence in the public schools, blah, blah, blah. So I went to my principal and said, there's an opening at the next school board, December 7th or something. I said, I'm going to address the school board about the violence. I said, I believe that um, things have changed in our school. Yeah. I said, that situation that happened a couple of weeks ago with a student punching me and you just returned to my class. I said, that's not like you. Yeah. And, I, and I remember, look, I said, that's not like you. And I said, I'm pretty sure you got orders to lower, to lower the suspension numbers. I remember he just put his head down and didn't say anything. I really? said, yep. I said, you have to tell me. I said, but I'll be addressing the superintendent and the board about this. And I remember, and I, I remember he said, yeah, I, I, Aaron, you know, it wasn't that bad. I said, really? You punch a teacher? I said, do you allow people? And he goes, he didn't say anything. But yeah. I, 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 just, I just put on my notice like I was going to do this. Unbeknownst to me, I had no idea with the, me going to school but what would transpire, transpire within, what, six years of my life. You've always talked to me about accountability. And that mm -hmm. was your big thing on this is you want to make sure that students were held accountable for actions. That's correct. In, in the classroom, the same way they will be. In the real world. In life, yes. Yeah. I had no idea. St. Paul Public Schools didn't inform their teachers. They were doing this so-called equal outcomes. So equal outcomes in yeah. your graduation standards, in your discipline. Okay, tell us. Who does this come from, by this the is, way? This, this is coming from Silva. This is coming from Silva. Okay. Yeah, but as teachers, we didn't know. These, this, these were internal memos given to administrators in all St. Paul Public Schools. Like, we have a high number. Now, don't get me wrong. Do we, yeah. There was a higher number, and there still is a higher number of African Americans being suspended in public schools. There's a disparity. Yeah. Like I said, my first school board meeting in December of 2012, we do have a problem. I told Silva, you're going to have to get the black community involved with this. I said, you just can't sit back and say, yeah, you just can't sit back and blame your white teachers. I told her. But, you know, there was this, it went on deaf ears. Plus, I got to stare from, you know, the assistant superintendent. Sure, sure. But, yeah, but I was like, we have disparities. But if you don't get the community involved, you're going to have problems. Man, I had no clue that they had some sort of racial equity agenda being passed in 2011 secretly. So okay. this explains why my principal did not discipline the kid for punching me. It was that, it was that exact uh, standard yes. that, they, that they implemented in yes. two thousand. And like I'm okay. trying to tell you, this is the principle that would never have would have never allowed that before. Really, you know, and that's and I told him, you know, and he told me top down decision making exactly. So, yeah. so in 2012, you speak in front of the school board mm -hmm. by myself, by yourself. And then, what happens between then and 2014? The next time you speak in front of the school board. So between um, that, so I switched schools. You switch. You were. You no longer have been Mays. Yes, and this is interesting. So I'm kind of fed up at, at uh, Benjamin E. Mays. Okay. So for months, I'm trying to talk to my principal. I'm trying to tell him I'm going to change schools. I'm going to put it in for, I'm going to put in for a voluntary transfer. I'm sending him texts. I'm asking him like every other week, can we talk? He's blowing me off. I mean, his whole vibe has okay. changed. Yeah. His whole vibe has changed. Man, God is so good. Let me tell you, God works. And you know, this are our stories. Yep. So I tell 
then Assistant Superintendent Sharon Freeman that I'm going to transfer in May of 2013. Okay. She goes, oh, I can, oh, it's like, I can see the, the look on her face is priceless. She goes, oh, oh, well, I was going to come here and transfer you tomorrow. And I look her straight in the face. Really? And I go, I beat you to it. Okay. That's how I, tr- I transferred to John A. Johnson Elementary. You went to Johnson Elementary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. John A. Johnson. That's how, that's how I left Ben Mays because I was done. That school was like, like, whatever. Yeah. Okay. But listen, secretly, they were going to boot me. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll get to that. We'll yep. get to that because that's important. That's, you know, not everybody on this that's they're listening will know me. about that. Yeah, yeah they were going to transfer, transfer you. Yep. So, so you transferred to Johnson mm-hmm. and you're there from, you start in 2013 there, start in 2014? 2013. 2013. Okay. Did you notice the same kind of behavioral issues in terms of disciplinary not actions? Melissa, Melissa Layman. She's okay. A, she was a principal. She was phenomenal. She walked the halls and she had a little cart. She was in our classroom are being teachers. And when she would come into your classroom, you didn't get nervous. She was there to assist you. I've never had a principal like that. It was the coolest thing. She's like, yeah, I'm here to help. I'm like, yeah, can you take this group to to do a reading lesson? And And, and I'm still good. Yeah. yeah, I'm still good friends with her now. Melissa Lehman, I love you to death. She was phenomenal. Okay. So that's, that's fall of 2013. Okay. She gets transferred January, 2014. Okay. And our entire school did a 180. Now, this is John A. Johnson Elementary on the east side of St. Paul. Yes. And I'm telling you, it's in the hood. And we have a very, very diverse population. It's a very challenging school. You can use words like at risk and all that stuff. Melissa Layman had that school on lock when it came to discipline. There was, there's no fooling around. The moment she left, boom. We get a woman in. And I'm going to use names. I, you know, hey, hey, Judy, Judy, it's, it's, Judy Kaufman comes yeah, in. This is your story. Had no idea what she was doing. She brings in somebody, another dude, and, um, Ab, um, Abdul Salam. I, I can't think of his name. So it was just weird. You had people in the school, and it is Judy Kaufman comes in, and she immediately targets me. Yeah, she's she, putting things from, in my back from 2012. Does she remember you from? Yes, okay, okay. yes. So she's putting things in my mailbox at Johnny Johnson. Aaron, I need you to work on this. You seem to be angry during staff meetings. And I'm like, what is going on here? She comes into my my um, classroom one day. And she, I told, uh, I told her, I said, this student needs to go down to the office to get his medicine. She sends me an email. You shouldn't say that out loud. I'm like, so I'm like, what's going on? So I told her, I said, you know, the student runs around and the nurse chases him in my classroom. So all the students yeah. go, he takes the medicine. Yeah. But any little misstep, she was putting notes in my mailbox. Hmm. thought that was weird. Then one day she, I told her I was quitting the um, discipline team or whatever. Yeah. I said, I just don't want this. I said, St. Paul's racial equity thing is not for me. Uh, I quit PBIS. Okay. Yeah. And that stands for Positive Behavior Intervention Specialist or something. Okay. And she looks me straight in the face and she says, if you don't get on with this racial equity, you, you may not have a job here. Did you so use that in that oh, case? Of course. So I was going to say that's so a I went, big line. So I went back and told four or five teachers and that came back, you know, in the trial. Yeah. So yeah. so this woman, Judy Kaufman, she's actually, I think her title, she actually trains, trains uh, principals. So it was, just, okay. it was just weird, but I knew there was some sort of thing like she was trying to catch me. Catch me. So then yeah. after... It was after I went to the school board the second time. That's in 2014. Mm-hmm. We get a different principal. Okay. Okay. So Judy Kaufman. So she's out. Judy she's Kaufman's out. out. Okay. But, she, but she trains our new principal, Lisa Grunwald. Gotcha. Man, that's when all hell broke loose. This is 2014. 2014. Yeah. Man, I, I couldn't sneeze without getting it. This is when I had four. This is when they're putting the pressure on yep. you. They're so, putting you to the hot plate. What's going on with students at this time that you're noticing? Okay. okay. All, all yeah. hell's broken loose. Okay. That's yes. what you're saying. Yeah. So, like, so January, remember I said yeah. Melissa Layman leaves January of 2014. Yeah. Judy Kaufman comes. The whole the, the whole 
So Lehman leaves, Kaufman comes, yep. then Kaufman leaves no, yeah, and but, trains But Kaufman in. Okay. comes from January to May. Okay. In that time period, the school does a 180 with, it's just, it's wild. Okay. You got, you got kids in the halls, you got people screaming, it's just buck wild. So then. Really? Yeah. It was just, it, we, we were amazed. Would you say that teachers felt powerless? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And because if you spoke up, you were you were made to feel like you didn't know what you're doing. You were made to feel racist if you're white. When I spoke up, um, I didn't know what I was talking about. This this is you know they never mentioned uh, racial equity, but this is the, the route we're going. Benner, you're being too hard. I'm like, you know, and I I just knew something, and I kept all my emails. I kept everything. So the, yeah. the new principal, Lisa Grunwell, she comes in, and um, I was telling her that there is some we had some problem kids, blah blah. blah. Anyways. Uh, I, I witnessed a kid. I witnessed a kid get assaulted. I saw a girl yeah. get knocked out. Okay. Okay. I report to Lisa Grunwald. She does nothing with the report. Really? So this is on a Friday, right? Friday okay. afternoon. I call the girl's mother on Sunday as I'm watching the Vikings game to check on her daughter. Mother says, I have no idea what you're talking about. I say, yeah, I witnessed your daughter get knocked out. I saw a boy punch her in the face, hit her head on the in the hallway, and I'm the one who took your daughter to the nurse, actually to the principal first. Mother is irate. Sure, now, remember, as I, any mother would be. Yep. So I remember now the reason. Now, how did I have this girl's phone number? Because um, I taught this. I had the girl's sister in my class. Yeah. Monday morning, Lisa Grunwald and the assistant principal they're grilling. Blah blah blah. How dare you call? I'm like, I I said that's your fault. Right. Yeah. You know, that's your fault. You know. So anyways, to make a long story short. My first investigation, I broke okay. I broke protocol allegedly for yeah. breaking confidentiality because I, I told the, the mother okay. of the victim. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. all. Saint, so Saint Paul. So now, I mean, I was like, what? So that's my first investigation file on my folder. Next one, I mean, I, I I was shocked. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was just crazy. But you know, everything turned out for me. But yeah, that year was it was uh, very stressful. But I loved my students. Every school I worked in, the students were phenomenal. The yeah. teachers I worked with were phenomenal. People think I had like you couldn't handle inner city school. I'm like my kids were fine. Yeah, I said I, I said it's just the admin. When we talked about at the beginning, I talked about your relationship with students. Like the mm-hmm. reason you're able to call that mother is because you have relationships with students because yeah. that's what you're good at. You're an yeah. educator. You're a teacher. And, I and also, that's what I've always seen in you and known you. you to be. Thank you. you. Know? And I, people and, and this was in my loss too. People don't understand that I called the boy who punched the girl. And his mother was, she said, I, I never received a phone call. I said, I know. We're trying to hide uh, incidents of violence in our schools to make sure we, uh, looks like we're doing really well. And she, she thanked me. She goes, I did not raise my son to hit girl. I said, I know that, Mrs. So-and-so. Yeah. But I got in trouble. Now, SPPS had no clue how I got that number. I actually did break protocol. I went inside <laughs> the database of the other teachers to get his mother's phone number. Okay. okay. They, until they, they still didn't know, but forget that. Okay. You know. Okay. So you, uh, so this happens. When do you go in front of the school board in 2014 and make that speech? Uh, May. May. May 2014. Because at this time, around the whole district. Oh, let me back up. October 2014, I write uh, um, an editorial, a long one, called The Elephant in the Room. Pioneer Press runs a story about PEG, Pacific Educational Group, the one that was brought in by Chris Coleman, talking about how great it is, about bridging racial gaps. Okay. I ripped them apart. In this editorial that you wrote? Editorial. Okay. And I put my name and where I teach. I'm like, I'm like, St. Paul Public Schools is pulling the wool over your eyes, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm like, how about we ask black people in St. Paul whose kids are doing well? And I mentioned, we have plenty who are doing well. Ask them how they're successful. I said, it's not a uh, racial equity training. Man, I had no, that was that was the bomb that went off at 360 headquarters. Silva was pissed. Okay. Man, she was pissed at me. But here, this is what happened. So that's prior to the prior. Okay. So with my editor, I was told by the St. Paul Pioneer Press that my editorial was the first editorial to have somebody write about it. So Joe Souchere writes about my editorial. Yeah, okay. 
and they said out of 70 years, we never had any, we never had a story on the editorial. Yeah, an editorial. Then the editorial, and then the editorial, so people were responding mm-hmm. to my editorial throughout the next weeks, like, oh, that guy, Ben Ronan was awesome, blah, blah, blah. So then you have Joe Souchere write about it. Then yeah. it's then it's featured at the end of the year edition. Okay. So I'm hearing rumblings. I'm hearing like, Benner, man, Silva's pissed about your editorial. They're, I'm like, I just spoke the truth. Yeah. So then other teachers contact me in St. Paul, like, this is happening at my school. This is happening at my school. So we get together about uh, Chong Tao, Ian, and Roy Magnuson. We get together and we meet with two board members trying to t- outline them what's going on at St. Paul Public Schools. So like we saw Aaron's elephant in the room. That that really um, got my attention because this was happening at Como. This is happening at Harding. Sure. So now we have a little cohort. Yeah. So we decided to go to the school board in 2014 as a group. Yeah. But you only see my speech. Maybe because I act like I was Dr. King. I was all passionate. I don't know. But, yeah. you know, so I say my speech. Man, we are. Could give us a little bit, because I remember. I, I don't want to step on your lines, because I think they're your words, and I want you to speak them. But well, I started. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, the, so it was a sign up. So St. Paul told everybody. They, St. Paul sent out letters or emails saying these four teachers do not believe in racial justice, racial equity. Come to the board meeting and speak against them. Okay. After we told them we were going to come, and because we had questions, so I see the email. Uh, I go to I go to Express and get me a nice purple shirt. Give me a nice purple tie. I'm like, these. I believe in racial equity. You guys are idiots. So anyways, I knew that. How can I stand out? There's going to be at least 30 people speaking for two minutes. Yeah. I'm like, I got to say something to stand out. I quoted the Dr. Dr. King 1963 speech. I have a dream speech. Yeah. And I started out. I have a dream that one day my children will be judged by the content of their character and not by the color of their skin. And you can hear silence. That's what I said. And I said, obviously, these are not my words. These are Dr. King's in 1963. I said, here we are. So many years later, and right now, skin color is being judged over content of character. I said, what do I mean by this? St. Paul Public School, if you are a child of color and you do something wrong, your behavior is ignored because of your skin color. So that does not fall in line with Dr. King's message. So I talked about that, and I got picked up by the news outlets. Yeah. People who heard me were like, oh, I'm not against racial equity. So anyways, that was May of 2014. You said you said one thing in this speech, though, it was— um I really want you to say it. I don't remember the exact words, but you're talking about black culture. Oh, what, yeah, 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 I yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah. So I said, I said, so during the speech, I said, I have to, I said, I asked this, I'm going to ask this school board in my, my community. I said, what is black culture? Because during that time, anytime a, a student would do something wrong, the excuse for St. Paul, it's black culture. Oh, he's shouting out. That's black. That's what we do. Um, he didn't turn his homework in. Well, black people, time, we don't like time. I was told this. So everything was called black culture. So I just finally said, school board, I said, what is black culture? I said, because I said, I said, I said, is cussing at your teacher black culture? Is not turning your homework? Is that black culture? Is throwing a chair at your colleague black culture? I said, because if it's black culture, I'm not black. So it was, so, you know, I, yeah. it was, uh, I had some speech writers look at that. I can't take credit for oh, that. Oh, okay. You okay. Know? I, I, I said, I, I got a speech at the school, and I had no, we had no idea, we, me and the other teachers, we had no idea that St. Paul was having this big old rally. I mean, I think by the grace of God, I remember sitting in the auditorium. And I remember all these people coming in, and I remember thinking, I can't do this. Really? I, I mean, it was intimidating. And I remember seeing assistant, assistant superintendent Sharon Freeman. She's coming in. Yeah, guys, you guys ready for this? And we locked eyes. And I remember she, and I was like, this is, this is crazy. We're just going to talk to the school board and try to get some ideas. And you got buses of people speaking against us. And I remember one teacher I worked, uh, worked with that uh John A. Johnson. I'm not going to say her name. And I remember she turned around before I was going to speak. And she yeah. said, Aaron, where's all your supporters? And I was thinking, 
bitch, please. <laughs> but she was rubbing it in. Like she was basically saying, look at all these people against you. Like we're your supporters. And it, it was very intimidating. Yeah. And uh, when I look at that speech, you know, when it's on TV, you can hear my, my voice is trembling. But then I, I, I pick up steam. Once I get through the doctor, I'm like, man, I believe in this. Yeah. This, is, this, this is ridiculous. You, you're trying to silence us because we care about kids and their future, all because you have some sort of political agenda. And by the way, I wish I had more time. I would have said, by the way, how many people are getting paid for, from PEG who are ministers in St. Paul? It would, then, I, then I find out after I do that speech, you know, yeah. after, no, after on the, the appearance on national TV, uh, someone does a, a freedom of information request. And St. Paul is the highest paid school district in the nation for paying this consulting firm. I mean, this is not Berkeley. This is not San Francisco. Like, why is St. Paul the epicenter to be paying this uh, consulting firm $5 million? And obviously it's not working. I mean, if it was working, I had nothing to say, but obviously it wasn't working. So So you give that speech. That's May of 2014. May of 2014. Is it 14 or 15? It's 2014. Okay. So then new leadership at Johnson by yep. that fall. Mm-hmm. And I so, you, so, so, yeah. so I do the speech 2014, then the new leadership at Johnson, and yeah. I'm immediately targeted. Yeah. And some investigations? Six investigations. Six investigations. Is that in one year? One year. Okay. One year. And, and this is how— And after how many years? How many, how many complaints the prior years? Like zero. none? Yeah. Zero. Yeah. Zero. I mean, it was— it was obviously just just uh, try to paper my file to get me to, to get to get me fired, yeah. and one of the reasons is he's a bad teacher because he called the mother of the girl who got knocked out. Really? So yeah, me checking in on a on a student. Yeah, you know I was tenured. You just can't fire me. Yeah. So we got to create something. So you just and then you know my union's like you know you should just resign. No, you know it's just it was. So just, what was that relationship like with the union? At first, it was very supportive. Okay. At first, uh, I remember my union rep actually she went. To the the union lawyer saying, you know, this this he's being harassed, and the union lawyer tells me straight to my face, "Now nah, we're not gonna we're not gonna represent you." I'll never really? That. Yeah, like this, this is not too bad. I'm like, you know, this is open season on me. I'm like, I said, even if I resign and go to a different school, I said I'm going to have six investigations on my record. Who would hire me? My union rep started being a little more. Um, she seemed pissed off at me after investigation three. Like she would have to come in and do these interviews and stuff. Yeah. With the principal, so after the fourth one, I'm like. Something's wrong. Something's not right here. Yeah. Uh, to make a long story short, the union was in cahoots with, with the district. Yeah. Basically, so I found that's out. That's what you. That, yeah. That's what you were seeing right yeah, there. So I found out from an uh, insider at the union that said they. He told me that it was a year of negotiations for a new um, contract for teachers, and allegedly, I don't know if this is true or not, but I believe it, that Silva and her group said to the union, you better quiet Benner or there will be no salary increases. What year is this? This is 2014. 2015. 15. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. year do you leave? Two, I, shoot, I got it in memory. August 4th, 2015. 2000, That's you, my resignation online. Because you saw down the line you were getting fired for yeah, something. Exactly. For something. So I was, so I, I wanted to transfer. So the union gave me this sweet deal. This is their sweet deal. The union's like, hey, we can transfer you to a different school, but you got to keep your four investigations. And if you sign this paperwork saying that if you are clear of any more investigations until 2017, we'll wipe your slate. But if you get another investigation, we can fire you. I'm like, yo, oh. I'm like, yo you think I'm going to sign that? I, I, and I said, this is what my union dues are going for? So the union was in, deal, was in cahoots again with the district. So these... Older teachers who've never had any investigations like I did 
all of a sudden they're put on improvement plans. Saying you're not doing well, you mark them low. This teacher who's been here for 30 years and they're making X amount of money, they kept on making, putting them on improvement plans. I never had an improvement plan. Yeah. They finally got fed up and they, they resigned. They resigned. You know, you know how they resigned? Their union rep told them to resign. So you had about 30 teachers that resigned the last 10 years in some of public schools because they were forced on improvement plans saying they were terrible, terrible teachers after years of having great marks, all because of money. That's just ridiculous. So what year do you file a lawsuit against St. Paul Public Schools? So Human Rights Department has a year and a half investigation. 2017. 2017. May. May 2017. Okay. Yep. All right. Was that were you at CDH? I was, that trust okay. me, I, I know for a fact. I, I, so you're kind of a name at this point. CDH hires you, knowing mm-hmm. that you're a name that spoke out against SPPS. Yeah, and that was that was obvious. Mm-hmm. You know, you had countless um, news articles and yeah. obviously these editorials and these sound bites. So people knew this. And then in 2017, what inspires you to file a lawsuit? What inspired me to file a lawsuit because I filed a human rights complaint in. August of 2015. Yeah. Human rights investigation took a year and a half. Yeah. So the human rights comes back with a ruling, a judgment in my favor saying problem. Aaron Benner has probable oh. cause. Once I had that, the human rights department contacted St. Paul Public Schools saying he has like the golden ticket, like Willy Wonka. Like yeah. you guys, we have to have a sit, sit down with both parties immediately in St. Paul Public Schools. You have to f- rectify this. They gave me basically the middle thing, like, we're not sitting down with him. That's when I had a lawsuit. Who was your, how long, you had a lawyer, obviously. I had two Who, lawyers. Two lawyers, okay. Yeah, my first lawyer didn't know what he was doing. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Did, so I remember going to a hearing in October 2017. He had no clue. And I was like, God, give me another lawyer. In December of 2017, I'm in grad school, by the way. Yeah. I had, I quit grad school. I took a leave of absence, oh. actually, because my lawyer calls me in December you know, and he says, I can't be your lawyer. Um, Aaron, I don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So he knew it. He knew it. He's like, you got to get a better lawyer. Yeah. So by the grace of God, I got a new lawyer. What's his name? Ashwin Medea. Yeah. Phenomenal. It took, I had to go onto the like yellow pages really? look for people. And every time each lawyer said, you didn't suffer enough to get any wage uh, for wages. <laughs> I was like, really? Didn't suffer enough? And, and they all said it would be a waste of their time. Okay. And so Ashwin Medea says, so Ash, I'm taking you. Ashwin Medea is like, you got a problem. He goes, you got a probable cause ruling from the human rights. So Ashwin's like, here's a deal. You sign, I, I'll take your case. Yeah. Uh, on so, a contingency. He goes, you win, I get 39%. Yeah. I'll do all the work. The rest is history. How many times did they try to settle before you did the final amount? Zero. The, zero. Really? Zero. So th- people don't understand that. So, the arrogance. I mean, this this is all about arrogance with Silva in simple public schools. Yeah. You, There's a year and a half investigation from the Human Rights Department from the state of Minnesota. They find probable cause. You know, I won no matter what. So I was asking for, I think I was asking for, oh, I was asking for $200,000. Who knows that? They yeah. Paid, yep, yeah. So they should, that was, that was 2000. And they that said was, no to two. They, they're, they're like, no, they didn't meet. They didn't, okay. they didn't meet. So that was my, I was going to say $200,000. They're like, nah. So, okay. Two years later, you paid $525,000. $525,000. It doubled. More yeah, than doubled. More than doubled. And you're embarrassed and your idiots forgot to have me sign a non-disclosure agreement. So my little so black you, butt's just talking away about the yeah, case. That was Names that, and everything. Would you would you ever assign the non-disclosure? Hell though? yeah. Really? Of course. That, they don't know that. They don't know that. <laughs> we wouldn't have been having this podcast. <laughs> Not at all. I would have easily because that was a deal. So anyways, to make a long story short- 
my lawyer wanted to go to trial. He goes, they're, they're dead to rights. But I'm mentally drained. I want my paycheck. I want to buy a house. Yeah. You know, so wow. we, had, we had to go to mediation before trial, and we started up negotiating. And um, Was he pushing for a jury trial? Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, you're probably better off. I mean, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. No matter how airtight, yeah. yep. no matter how right you are, you never know when you're going to get someone on that jury yeah. or someone that's going to yep. pull, Mar- pull people. Marshall, on. you're exactly right. So when we went for a pre- preliminary hearing before the trial, just it was the last chance of the settlement. And I told you about how I got treated my suit and tie, right? I tell you, I walked into the courthouse and they, yeah. they're talking about criminals across the yeah. suit. I'm like, say, say that though for people. So you, so I go. So this is, by the way, the entire time that Aaron taught at Creighton, or not taught, sorry, it was an administrator at Creighton Durham Hall when I was there. Always wore a suit. Always dressed as professionally as possible. Thank you. And always ask for a piece of gum. Yes. Always uh-huh. ask for a piece of gum. He's like, and I remember the story. You're like, I had this favorite teacher. I loved him, but his breath stank yes. so bad. I remember and, that. And you said when, and, you, and then when you became an educator, you're like, I cannot be breathing. Like, yeah. Just, I mean, obviously we're not breathing on anybody nowadays, right. yeah, COVID, right. but you can't be like, you're like gum all the My time. My former students still remember. They're like, you know what? You would come help me and you had peppermint or watermelon. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> one student in fourth grade said, Mr. Bitter. Whenever you help me, you smell like watermelon or mint. I love it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to be coughing and cigarettes like so-and-so. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's um September yeah. 2019. So I'm in my my best suit. Yeah. And I'm dressed in nines. And uh, I walk in, and I'm like, these three older white men are looking at me. And I'm like, here goes my racial bias. I'm like, some shit's going to pop off. I'm like, okay. I'm thinking it. Don't have to tell anybody. So... I go in and there's, it says you have to remove your belt and move your watches. And I say something like, do I have to put my belt here? And that guy, first guy says, who are you here for? I said, I said um, I'm here for a court case. Criminals across the street. I, did, I didn't even respond. To all him. white guys? Yeah, all white. Okay. Older. And I, and I said, I'm not here for, I said, I'm not here for criminal court. I, and I said, what? And I said, what makes you think I'm here for criminal court dressed like this? Did you say that? Yeah. Okay. Three-piece suit. You know? So maybe I'm the lawyer. Can't be because I'm a black dude. I'm definitely not the suspect dressed like this. I got a briefcase and everything. So I said, no, I said, I'm here to see Judge, I think it was Judge Mendez. I could be wrong. Okay. Then he goes, oh, she's civil court. I go, yeah, she's civil court. And like floor 17, like just read, I, I was, I was so pissed. Yeah. Make a long story short, I come down for a break and he's being all nice to me. But it was just a good, yeah. re- it was a good reality just, check. I was told by the judge, a judge came in. So we were going back and forth with numbers. We started like at a million dollars. Then we tell him we want a million dollars. They, they, the judge would go and tell him Benner wants a million dollars. They're like, nope. Then judge comes back. Well, I'm like, I, I want 950000 They're like, nope. So okay. we're going back and forth for like two hours. Judge. Really? Yeah. Judge is getting tired. Yeah, the, the, the judge says, Aaron, they're, they're, they're stubborn. And she said, Mr. Benner, remember this. And I don't, I think I don't know too much about law. Yeah. But I don't think she was supposed to say this. She's like, I'm going to tell you right now, you pick a number and you stick with it. She goes, I know you really want to go to trial. She goes, I read your case. She goes, you got him. She goes, but if you do win, she goes, and my lawyer is right there. She goes, if you do win, she goes, I don't know if your lawyer told you this. She goes, they're going to appeal. She goes, you might win $2 million. She goes, you're not going to see that money for a long time. Right. So she goes, you pick a number that you can walk away with. And so when she says, and, and, and Ashwin says, yeah. I'm like, so I could win a jury trial and not get, and he goes, then he goes, you could, let's say the judge goes, you could win a million dollars. Then they appeal it. Then another judge can say, you, you really didn't suffer that much. So I'm going to knock off. I was like, what? So then I was like, Damn. I'm sweating. So anyways, yeah. so she comes back and she says, Pick a number. And I like my lawyer. He goes, pick a number. 
So the, the final number we left off on was 700, I think, or 800,000. And I'm thinking, and I'm doing math now. I'm like, I'm the best in math. I'm like, I know that fool got to get a third, you yeah, know, uh, tax. I wasn't thinking of tax. I'm like, yes, all. Yeah, because uh, all awards are tax-free. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't no, have to pay income tax. No, no, no. I, no, I had to pay income you tax. You had to. Yeah, we'll talk about that, too. Oh, okay. Because yeah. they consider it back pay? Yes, oh, yes. Oh, my God. For your, listener, out of that. For your <laughs> listeners, I got hit for $110,000. The IRS said, bend down and take it, homeboy. Oh, my God. True. I got Yeah. So anyways, but still, I'm still blessed. My wife, yes, and I, we got yes. we got plenty. So make a long story short, after getting that $525,000, I walked away with 300000 Not really. Had to pay the IRS yeah. 110000 To make a long story short, I got over $225,000. That's exactly what I wanted, wanted anyways. It's more than enough. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but, Well, and then a little bit of vindication comes yes, with that. I was going to say, so oh, yeah. the vindication yeah. is the big number that's in the paper, right. yeah. that 525000 You know, people like They don't admit fault, but they paid exactly. half a million dollars yeah, right. exactly. to Aaron Benner. So th- this is the – this and I, every, I put God – I give God all the credit, and I've told you this. Yeah. So the amount was just right. They didn't have me sign a non-disclosure. My lawyer and I, we, we, he was cracking. He goes, they didn't have you sign an NDA. That's God. Everything's God. So this is this is just incredible. If SPPS really wanted to screw me, and they were trying to screw me the whole way, they would have gave me the total $525,000 in one check. Mm. If they would have done that, my taxes would have... You would have paid half of it. Exactly. Really? Highest tax bracket. But they divided it up. They gave gave my lawyer a separate check. (laughs) And I was was like, thank God. Because my my, my tax guy is like, man, if you would have got that $525,000, he goes, you would have been responsible for... the, the higher tax and had to pay the lawyer. I was like, that's all God. That's the grace of God. Sometimes I go, oh man, I wish I would have asked for more money in retrospect. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm like, then I, I'm like, be gone, Satan. Yeah, be, right. don't start, because I am blessed with a beautiful wife, a beautiful child and a beautiful home. Yeah. Everything worked out the way it was supposed to. Everything. You know, would I have loved to sit up there and saw those people sweat and get caught. Sure. I would have loved to see Andrew Collins get bust out for his lies. Lisa Grunwell, Valeria Silva. You know, I've given expert testimony a couple mm-hmm. times. And, you know, like I, I have nothing to lose, right? Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just answering questions. Yep. But when lawyers come after you and they ask yeah. you questions, you would have been sweating too. You know, like they would have been sweating, but you would have been sweating. Marshall, even though that's, you're that's, right. Yep, you that's, know? A, that's a great point. So they when I was, make you when feel I was bad. training with my lawyer, he was he was playing devil's advocate. He was playing their he was he was rattling me. And I was gonna he goes, Ben right. Aaron, you're getting rattled. You can't. You're gonna, you're gonna be the angry black man. I'm like, man, this he's right. right. He's like, you gotta be calm, cool. During my deposition, it was a nine hour deposition one day. Man, I went off several times. He had a He's like, break. He's like, Aaron, you break, can't lose yeah. your cool. He goes, you are right. He goes, you are getting so angry. I mean, it right. was traumatizing for me. Yeah. Right? So you're, I'm remembering stuff that happened seven years ago. And I, I mean, I'm like, man, she's a trip, man. He didn't. And my, my lawyer's like, dog. <laughs> right. uh, one of the greatest things that, had, that has come about me speaking up is that I, I had a trip to Washington, D.C. And I gave a speech on the steps of the Supreme Court. Wow. Really? Yeah, people don't know that. In February 2000, I think, 17. Yes, to make a long story short, there was a guy named Mark Janice yeah. who had a lawsuit that went to the Supreme Court. He didn't want to pay Janice. Yeah, uh, yeah Janice first. Yeah. You spoke at Janice? Yes, I did. So That I, was a very big case uh, for yes, unions. Yes. So, so I got it. Mandatory okay. union dues for public employees. I was there. I to make know. a long story short, Mark Janice and his people get a hold of me. They're like, Mr. Benner. And this is before you settled, yes, right? Yes, before I settled. While and you were still. So I get this um, 
request to um, if you'd like to come, we're, we're, if you could do a, a we're going to have a rally for the Janus hearing for the Supreme Court in February 2017. I actually spoke. I have I have all the video. I spoke on the steps. You had us. For uh, people for Mark Janice, then you had people counter protesters. Yeah, sure for unions. Man, I'm telling you, I didn't sleep well the night before because I didn't know what I have. I never. Yeah, I didn't I know, know what's going to happen. But it was the most exciting moment of my career as a teacher because I remember walking across the like the plaza of the Supreme Court, and I remember all these counter protesters like, "Oh yeah, you're anti union, you're blah blah blah." And I remember I gave my speech and I was like, "I'm not, I'm not anti union." I said, mm-hmm. um, but I am against what happened to me. I said, I want a choice. I said, if I had a choice, I would have, be, I would have saved $14,000 of yeah. my union dues. Um, I come from a union family. Yeah, my yeah. grandfather was too. a police union. I mean, yep. my, my grandfather was, is a gold card member of the Bricklayers Union. Mm-hmm. Right. He's got an, he, was in the, he still is in the Bricklayers Union because he gets his pension from there. He's 91 years old, and he's got a gold-plated card from the union. That's oh, nice. one of the coolest things I know. But what I'm interested in there, and I've actually never asked you this question. What's the point in this more than seven-year battle? Let's call it a 20-year battle because that's how long you're in education for, right? 24. 24. What is, what's the point where if something were to change direction that you would have not pursued you know, uh, battling and, and moving forward with this? What's the point that you were hit? What's the straw that broke the camel's back that made you say, okay, this is something that's not right and led you down the path to where you are now? You know, can you, I mean, it's hard to pick out one, but is there a time period or anything like that? No, not really. I think it's just the way I was raised. Okay. Um, it was a natural progression of events. I just think it was always in my DNA to fight for what is right. I don't want to act like I'm some crusader, but... Some people as, see you as such. As, as a teacher, though, you, we're always teaching. As an elementary school teacher, you're always trying to teach kids right from wrong. And if you see a wrong, you speak up about it. I would have been a hypocrite. Honestly, I mean, for so many years, I'm teaching my kids, like, don't be a bully. You have to share, blah, blah, blah. And this is happening to me. So I'm working in schools, and you're telling me that we're going to have a separate set of rules for black students? That's wrong. That, that goes against everything I believe in. Yeah. As a man, as a Catholic, are you crying out loud? And I'm supposed to be quiet because you have the power? Nah. Nah. I've always been a fighter. Always been a fighter. And, it, you know, I was like, this is wrong in so many levels. I come from a family— of educators, my grandmother she, Ruth Benner. There's a school named after her. Really? Yeah. The school is right across the highway from Benjamin E. Mays. No kidding. Yeah. So I'm thinking, my grandmother wouldn't want me not to say anything. No my kidding. father, you know, my father wouldn't want me to just sit back and take it. I, I mean, I wasn't. I didn't know was was I trying to be a celebrity? Not at all. I just when I address a school board, I just I dress by myself the first time. I just I dressed the school board by myself. You know. The second time, I had four other people with me. But then I go to national. People don't understand. Oh, you just want to be on national TV. No, no, no. Here's the deal. The first time I went to the school board, all I know is that I had an offer from the O'Reilly show the yeah, year O'Reilly before. Factor, sure. And I'm like, I'm not a conservative. I'm not a Republican. I'm not going. But after being harassed for a year, man, I had that little Trump card, excuse the pun. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, so, so when they got a hold of me again, I'm like, I'll be on your show. Man, I, that was an atomic bomb set off. They had no clue that I was going to be on national TV. This is how you've been treating me? So I'm like, yeah, you, this, this, is, this is what's going on in the St. Paul School District. 
Where, where's the next steps? Like, do you, what are you seeing going on? Because obviously you fought a good fight. You've come out. You've gotten your, uh, your reward from, from really how you were treated and how well you fought. Where, where does the change occur? How does it occur? Because you're seeing an issue and, and there's more people like you. For every, for every one teacher that shows up, there's got to be at least a dozen that are the same things happening behind closed doors. Yeah, this is bigger than uh, St. Paul Public Schools and education. I believe it's sweeping it parts of critical race theory. What St. Paul, Paul Public Schools was trying to do has unfortunately has crept into St. Paul politics. You now have people who want to defund the police. In our newspapers, if the suspect is black, their race is not mentioned. You know, yeah. everything's looked at through the lens of lens of race, which is not bad. But if that's all you do, that's an excuse. So when I'm in St. Paul Public Schools and if a black student acts out or does something, they're blaming that the white teacher doesn't know the culture. Right now, if a black person commits a crime, we can blame it on systemic racism. Let them riot in Minneapolis. Let them take the third precinct because they're upset. What? I mean, people said that on the Minneapolis yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. City Council. Let them ride. I mean, what are you really? Because they're upset, they're angry. Like my ancestors weren't upset. They weren't angry. You know what? Racism has always been there. And I'm not saying it's okay. But racism does not give you an excuse to break the law, to assault your neighbor. It's Life is hard, but that does not give you a right. And right now in this country, I believe critical race theory is giving an excuse for people who are marginalized. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. I appreciate it. I really do. I greatly appreciate it. I wanted you, when I, when I created this podcast, I thought of you immediately. Someone who has touched me in more than one way. Someone who's inspired me to work harder, work smarter, and fight for what's right and what I believe in. And so there's a reason I want to get you on here, have you tell your story. I hope people found it interesting. Um, I know they found it interesting. I hope they find it inspiring. Um, so thank you, everyone, to listen to this episode of Saint Small Talk with Aaron Benner. We're happy he came on, and we can't wait to have him back. Thank you thank so much, you. Aaron. Saint Small Talk is brought to you by Minnesota Podcasting Studios, Minnesota's premier podcasting outfit for professional and entertainment podcasts alike. Our logo design is made by Galen Rick at Mighty Fine Design, a Twin Cities-based graphic design company. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for listening.